0: Good evening and welcome to the Buddy Martin Show and Podcast on a late night dilly-dilly. Yes, it's time again for Buddy Martin. Call him up and tell him what you're thinking. But be kind because he's doing the best he can. Better. Stronger.
1: Faster. Mama says that alligators are onerous because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. What if the voice calls
2: while you're gone? Take a message. <laughs> Bye. I'm ready, I'm ready for this my whole life. I'm well, incapable of small.
1: <laughs> but that's why you love me, right? Kind of intimidating to be in the presence of so many great athletes.
0: Good evening and welcome to the program on a Monday night, late night, dilly-dilly, the Monday after a sweet win for the Gators over South Carolina. I just re-watched it. I watched it earlier today for the first half of tonight. Just had to go back over and check my eyesight to see if I saw what I really saw. So many big moments in that game. When you stop and think about it, we'll break it down for you some tonight. There were so many things that could have gone wrong. <clears throat> and in the end, the fire in their bellies. <clears throat> Determination, fight, heart, whatever you want to call it. As I said, Sunday morning when we had our pop-up show, Gators found something. They hit in the mouth and they hit back big time. And the program tonight, I put a tease up saying, the quarterback got booed and the quarterback shushed the crowd and, What do you think of either or both? But that's just radio show and streaming live shows, whatever talk. The bottom line is the result that was produced was one of the most significant victories in Florida football for some time. And I could point to one, two, or three plays that made the difference in the game and a game that will end up making the difference in the season because it's a whole completely picture now than what it was even last Saturday when they were down 14 nothing in the first quarter so come back kids they start too slow are you happy with the result did you boo your quarterback did you turn it off a lot of people I know turned it off and several people I know left the game and I get that sometimes you get discouraged and you say I just can't watch this anymore Sometimes it gets pretty hard to watch. But in the end, it was sweet victory, wasn't it? Tonight in the program, we're going to talk about that. <clears throat> we're going to weigh in on a few other issues. Some of the great points in this game, like the right side of Florida's line. Incredible performance um, by a couple of guys, particularly. And we'll talk about Juwan Taylor and Fred Johnson. and Even though sometimes they seem to have a lot of illegal motion penalties on them, they blew South Carolina off the ball. Also, we'll talk about <clears throat> the good fortune that befell the Florida Gators when a young man from Theodore, Alabama, LaMichael P. Ryan, took a Greyhound bus to Gainesville because, and paid his own way because he wanted to visit the Gators. What a story that turns out to be. P. Pirine, certainly one of the three biggest heroes of that game. And, of course, we knew Felipe Franks. He was the GOAT for a while, and then he was the HERO for a while, what have you. And what about Kadarius Tony? Have you thought about this? Two of the biggest stars on offense are from small towns in Alabama. Hello, Nick Saban. Theodore, Alabama for Pirine. And 8 Mile, Alabama for Kadarius Tony. Some of those small towns in Alabama have some pretty good football players, don't they? <clears throat> so, uh, we'll talk about that with Graham Hall shortly, also with France Beard get their take on the game. <clears throat> and I see you're all weighing in early tonight. Good to have you, Christine. Uh, good to, uh, to, uh, to, to see you logging on there talking about Paul five, which we'll get to some of these Philip Augustine. Hello, Al, Catherine Colwyn Nice to uh, hear from you. Um, <clears throat> Chuck Kelly, uh, and, uh, Rusty and Jill Kellum, some new names in there, which we're, uh, we love seeing the new names. Like the old names, too, the old guard, all you folks. But it's good to see some new names in there. Uh, Bob Morris, uh, Kyle McGraw, David Kyle, Maris, Andy, Nat, the mayor of Newberry, James, Crystal, Herb, CJ, Lynn. Yeah, a bunch of them. Troy, a bunch of folks climbing on tonight. Glad to have you. We'll get to your questions, and we'll try to get some posted and also get them to Graham Hall, he'll be along in a moment. Uh, <clears throat> but just to talk for a second about my tease, is Florida the 15th best team or better or not as good? Well, this is a hard team to identify sometime. But what a big year is going to be if they win the next two games and, and they will no doubt be among the top 12. That means they go to... A, Big six, bowl game, big payday, a chance to really shred their stuff. It's a terrific recording. It's a terrific recruiting tool for them. Big, big deal. That's how big this South Carolina game is. The residual impact of this win over South Carolina is still coming in. Mm-hmm. And what about C.J. Henderson? Today, he told the media, mm-hmm. I say he, uh, the defensive coordinator, uh, Todd Grantham told the media that C.J. Henderson – was the best cornerback he has ever coached at the college level. College level. And that, reco- that covers a lot of ground. You know, uh, he coached at Georgia and he coached at Mississippi State and several other places. <clears> the <throat> best he's ever coached. High praise. But the guy who, by the way, really made the biggest play of the game. And we haven't even talked about that pick at the end. Because if you watched, if you watched it back, as they say in TV, and you saw the game, you saw Florida get the ball – Uh, with eight minutes to go, and that double pass thing that happened, uh, which Felipe couldn't find anybody on, he scrambled, did a terrific job of scrambling down the sideline, gets hit, gets dinged, and Franz Beard wrote a good column about this. And Franz will be along later. And really at that point in time, even the announcers are saying, well, what does that mean now? Does it mean they're going to have to rip the red shirt off of their freshman? Uh, and, and what will happen, Can he, who's the backup, and so on and so forth. And Felipe didn't give him a chance to make a decision. He jumped up and ran back on the field and got back in the action, whether he had a ding or not. <clears throat> and from that point on, they drove down the field. Uh, how about Kadarius Tony's run? Wow, that's what we've all been looking for, that terrific run to set the touchdown up. And then to drive down there and get the ball in the shadow of the goal... And can't get it in after getting that pass in the French call. Got a number of cracks at it inside the five, uh, and Felipe tries to get it in on on third down on, on sneak off tackle sneak doesn't make it. Now it's fourth down, and Mullen is choose to use that word is choose the field goal. Thankfully, because some coaches would have kicked that field goal. <coughs> Trust me on that. Some coaches would say, well, it's 31-31 and you know uh, we can we're gonna have a chance to get the ball back. No, Mullins says we're gonna go for it. Never hesitated. You gotta love that about him. He's got that spurrier thing going there. Uh, and and of course, the story goes now <clears throat> according to the press conference. excuse me one second. A little water here. Late night with really water. Anyway. <clears throat> Franks is calling for the second for the play to be rerun, but he can't see the person calling the signals, so he calls it on his own. And of course, he takes it in, scores a winning touchdown. And what a story it turns out to be. Felipe Franks, you may love him, you may have ate him, but he had a day. And, of course, he, later he apologizes. I, I shouldn't have probably did that, he says. Um, and uh, his coach didn't particularly like it. But you know what? As I said on the Sunday morning show, I'm kind of mixed about it. In some ways, I like it because he shows the fight he has in his heart. If you're going to boo me and you're going to come after me, then I'm going to get back in your face. That's what he's saying. So I guess he has a right to do that, but the fans have a right to boo. Anyway, that's what's going on here tonight. Uh, I'll uh, post some of your references here. Um, And uh, we'll get on about the business here of getting uh, the Minister of Information aboard in just a second. Uh, In fact, let me do that now and first go to this particular message. I want to mention this. Uh, I want to mention, put this up. This is Renstar Medical Research. This is the terrific story in today's SoCal Star Banner about uh, the Scott Brantley Award semifinalists. There's all the names right there. Uh, Congratulations to these eight young men from six counties in the area. And their names are li- as listed, Brian Dillard, Lake Ware, Brian Maurer, Westport, <clears throat> Corey King, Trinity Catholic, Kimo Clark, Vanguard, Khalil Jackson, Hawthorne, Luke Matthews, Gainesville, Trent Whittemore, Buholtz, Tucker Woods, The Villages. All semifinalists for the Scott Brantley Award to be given out next spring. The finalists, three, the three semi-finalists will be, excuse me, finalists will be announced in two weeks, and we'll have more about that information for you later. But uh, anyway, these are the guys, and congratulations. RENSTAR has been sponsoring our Star of the Week. These are our Stars of the Week. RENSTAR Medical Research, Superior Medical Research Facility, heavily involved in the community things. Uh, they have a real reputation as a high-quality, patient-centered clinical research facility. Uh, they do these trials, clinical trials in Ocala, and the information used, uh, sent up to the biomedical companies uh, and pharmaceutical companies to treat things like Alzheimer's disease, psoriasis, osteoarthritis, migraine, fibromyalgia, along with many other conditions. So RENSTAR has, uh, has done this for a long time, and their studies are regulated by the FDA and safety closely monitored. So if you want more information about that, call the RENSTAR in Ocala at 352 Or go online. Rentstar Medical Research is www.rentstar.net. Rentstar Medical Research seeking tomorrow's answers to the health questions of today.
1: Job-related accidents create incredible stress on your finances, your relationships, and most importantly, your sense of well-being. When the adjuster is not approving benefits you are entitled to by law, you need Dan Hightower to help you understand all of your legal options. Daniel L. Hightower has been fighting for accident victim justice in Ocala and
2: statewide since 1976. Call Daniel L. Hightower today to better understand all your legal options. 352-629-7777.
0: Fighting for accident victim justice since 1976, <clears throat> we're going to step up and have a chat with our friend Graham Hall here momentarily, and see his take on. I mean, till you watch the game back, you can't really remember. I couldn't remember how many turning points there were in that game, and so many people didn't get a proper mention for the, what they did, including the terrific, sens- uh, sensational. Uh, is that Graham? I hear him. Do I see him? I don't see him. There he is. Uh, anyway, so,
1: yeah,
0: good. C.J. Henderson's pick at the end of the game. Huge play there, wasn't
2: it? Yeah, we just talked to Todd Grantham, and he said uh, that C.J. Henderson, you know, he's only been playing defensive back for about, you know, two and a half, three years. He actually played running back uh, in high school. He did play a little bit of, of, of sec- in the secondary. He actually played about four positions, but Todd Grantham said that C.J. Henderson is the best defensive back that he has coached. Mm-hmm. And obviously small sample size, just just uh, 10 games now for C.J. Henderson. Uh, nine, if you fa- don't factor in the, the fact that he only played a few snaps against Georgia. Uh, that is high praise for him, but he has backed that up. You know, He doesn't have the huh, defensive touchdowns or anything like that, but maybe one of the fastest players. That, he keeps showing something every single week, buddy, and, and mm-hmm. him chasing down. Uh, I think it was Debo Samuel, or maybe it was Edwards, but him chasing down that wide receiver, preventing that touchdown, was a huge part of the game that doesn't show up in the stat sheet. Uh, but he also showed that you know when he gets in there to the NFL draft and runs is in the is in the combine. I I think he's going to have like a 4.4. 4. Uh, that that's amazing.
0: Yeah, I saw the tweets, and I mentioned that earlier that uh, that, that Grantham had said that uh, he had struggled a bit the last couple of games. Uh, and that's probably because of the safety help, lack of safety help that he didn't, uh, he didn't yeah, have.
2: Yeah, and he was a lot. You got to think that you got trading or CJ McWilliams on the other side. Yeah, right. It's just, you know, put a lot of pressure on you, right? up three guys on your side, and sometimes he's covering multiple guys. And, and Chauncey Gardner has played a little more defensive back recently, at least dropped into coverage some. And, and so CJ's had a lot more time. I think if he had, uh, you know, Marco like, with him, like we were saying, and I, I'm sure you agree, uh, it'd be so obvious how good cj really is playing but unfortunately he's doing a lot of things that aren't showing up in the stat sheet
0: let's talk about a couple of things in the with, with the minister of information <clears throat> not the least of which was felipe franks Must sure. let's, let's discuss his shushing became a big thing obviously a lot of people having on social media having a little fun with that uh, but i think there's a larger thing here and that is, and I don't want to over-dramatize, but when you really analyze this thing in this dark moment for Gator fans, and that's what it was, it was a very dark moment when you're down 14 nothing, and you're on your way to your third butt-whipping in a row, you know, and you got beat uh, two other times, when gave up all those points, and it looks like you've lost your mojo, and you don't know what's going to happen, and everybody's, you know... Knows that really Felipe got the job by default, that Kyle Trask would have been the starter. I know that they're saying now maybe he wouldn't be, but he would have been, uh, were he not injured. And you're down to a guy who struggle, who overthrows the ball. He's already been booed in the first quarter. I went back and looked at it. It was like in the first, like, I don't know, seven, eight minutes, he overthrew yeah. the ball and he got booed. And here we go. And they're getting beat. And of course, he's a subject of much derision. Uh, it goes on and on, and it gets worse in the second half. You're down again. This time, uh, 31-14, uh, and it looks like this is a no hoper <coughs> But then yeah. the drive comes back, they come back, and they put the drive together. And I just described what happened at the end of the scramble by Franks on a double pass that he didn't throw the ball on. The terrific run by Kadarius Tony. <laughs> uh, naturally, uh, P Ryan I thought was magnificent, but in this particular drive, Tony's run was key. Uh, they got the They got the, the pass interference called in the end zone, still couldn't get it in. And then at the end, Felipe ostensibly calls his own number because yeah. yeah. he can't really see uh, what the play is. And Mullet says, now that was the play they were calling. And winds up, and, and with some ferocity, by the way, running the ball as he did several times, uh, yeah. and winds up winning scoring the winning touchdown. And there you go. What a story, huh?
2: Yeah, and, and, you know, I'm glad to use the word over-dramatized because, you know, you, you and I sit here and, and uh, you know, we sit here and think that social media is just this tool, and, and, and in a sense, and, and it's a fun thing at times, but if you're a 19, 18, 20-year-old, you know, outside, you know, it's a big thing to you outside of what you're currently doing, and, and it shows, it, it, you think it's a microcosm of um, the public's perception of you, and that's not necessarily true, but it's, it's hard to avoid those things. I mean, I, I grew up when, you know, MySpace and, you know, Facebook were, were becoming things in high school. And you certainly cared about what people wrote about you and what you saw on that. And, and Felipe Franks is clearly a very emotional 20-year-old guy who has seen all the hate and has heard the boos. And, uh, you know, he's told to have a short memory at all times as a quarterback. But the truth is, you know, Florida fans have a very long memory, and they, you know, they're in the first quarter, they're holding his previous actions against him clearly, and uh, that is—it's something that that Dan Mullen's going to have to balance because it's clearly fueling Felipe at times, but it can also go a little bit overboard because you can see how poorly received the shushing really is. Whether he was, you know, you know, it, honestly, he was—he he was not shushing Florida fans, and it, I, I'm actually surprised he hasn't just come out and said it but he was searching Luke Del Rio and I'm I'm actually surprised he hasn't said it
0: How do you know that
2: <laughs>
0: I mean my, let me ask you like this I, <laughs> I mean, d- let me say this I'm not going to ask you to give up your uh, source but what I I really meant to say was do you have that do you have that information
2: uh, Yeah I Okay mean, that's all I want
0: to know I don't I just wanted to know uh, it's not yeah, an opinion team, it's,
2: it's the whole team the whole team feels you know Luke Del Rio has done is trying to do two things at once. He's trying to be a Florida, former Florida Gator guy who says he knows everything about the program, but he's also speaking on things that are going to obviously have an emotional response from guys who know him and were in the room with him and, and saw his shortcomings and all these things and and know that he's not you know the pinnacle of how you should hold the Gator standard and yet is acting like it because he is adopting this you know he, he's, I shouldn't say that he's, he's starting a new career becoming a media member you know that's fine and dandy and he's allowed to do that totally but he also understands that these were guys that saw how he worked and and such and such and such and when you have a guy like chauncey gardner who who does not like any doubt or any form of hate at all um and, and speaks about it you're going to get those type of responses and and uh, honestly buddy about the guys who do social media actively have all blocked luke del rio on twitter um and he became known of it about the last two weeks ago and you know Austin Appleby and guys like him are always going to defend Luke Del Rio and and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I don't know. They really don't. They don't really don't like how he's spoken out about the team. Not just this week. It's not just this week. It's the entire season. It's really how he's spoken out. You know, since July. And and fair or not, Florida has been conditioned over the last few years to have a me against the world mentality and luke del rio is now the world
0: okay all right so he's in the media business now whatever <clears throat> uh,
2: yeah he's uh he worked for six months doing um some type of uh business retail he went to uf school of business and mm-hmm. uh decided that wasn't what he was trying to do all
0: right i mean look there's room yeah. for other people i'm not gonna diss but but the bottom line is uh you know, I, I mean, the thing about it is, I think you, it's okay to make statements when you analyze, you know, former Gator players. I mean, they all get it. If, if, if mm-hmm. when Chris Dory gets, says something, he gets hammered by people because his, his, his job is to, is to get a new analyze on, you know, on SEC Network, or SEC, uh, now. Um, and, uh, and so he gets it too, but, and I'm okay with that, but I think uh, there's a difference in analyzing and bashing. And sometimes I think that's what happens, and is the Gator fans resent that? So, all right, so let's talk about the booing part. I mean, you're relatively young, uh, and yeah. uh, yeah. I've been seeing this booing thing for quite yeah. some time. It even happened back in the uh, Spurry era, believe it or not, a few times, but yep. not as extensively. And there's something about about Felipe that he's so vulnerable, you know, and he also brings it on himself. He makes an easy target, six foot six, kind of the tall, gangly guy in the class who everybody likes to pick on, you know what I mean? Anyway, the point is that, uh, is that he's a polarizing figure, and he can be so darn good sometimes and so bad. Yeah. What's your take on that? And do you think, what's your take on booing fans, fans booing their own players?
2: Well, I mean, the Florida quarterback position is going to be hypercritical, especially the farther. You know, fans are going to be very hypercritical of the position, especially the farther that the hole gets dug. It's going to it's going to take a larger, you know, personality um, <clears throat> to dig it out, I think. You know, even if, if you can really remember, Will Greer, you, you know, people were clamoring for him to be the guy, but there was always this trepidation from, especially from Jim McElwain, but even from Will Muschamp. And, you know, he wasn't ready as a true freshman, but... The, the intensity for, you know, Will Greer to play was not even as intense as it has been for Emory Jones to play, even though Florida didn't have a quarterback then back in 2014 and Will Muschamp was playing for his job and, and likely had a future Heisman candidate on his roster. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Basically, the farther Florida goes without a more successful quarterback, the more pressure is going to be on guys like Felipe Franks and Emery Jones and Jalen Jones and Anthony Richardson to be the next, not the next Tim Tebow but to even lead Florida back to respectability. And and I think that pressure can be too immense for players who are 18, 19, 20 years old at times. Not so that it, you know, pushes kids away from committing to Florida, but you have to know, and Dan Mullen has said it a lot, and everyone's said it a lot, you have to know that when you're committing to Florida, there's going to be the expectation that you need to come in and be used in packages like Tim Tebow was used. You need to be able to show signs of promise that you're doing things as well as a guy who's, you know, had 18, 19 games to prepare. Felipe Franks has never been given a fair trajectory, and guys like Greg McElroy, who you saw defend him on Saturday over Luke Del Rio, are going to defend him because Greg McElroy is one of those guys who will stand in Felipe's corner and say, "Hey, at 20 years old, 21 years old, I could not have played for Alabama. We would not have won the national championship if I was having to do what he had to do." Felipe is also a victim of Florida's poor quarterback recruiting. The decisions made by Will Greer, that's affecting Felipe. The decision to bring Trayon Harrison affecting Felipe. The transfers over and over again of Austin Appleby, Malik Zaire, Luke Del Rio, those are affecting his development. I said it last year when they were splitting first-string quarterback reps between three quarterbacks. That means three guys are getting 33% of the chance to be this a starting quarterback in the SEC. Felipe has not been given a fair shot, and he is rightfully – Doing what any adolescent, teenager, young adult, whatever you want to call it, he's rebelling and he's shushing people and he's posting thumbs up to social media and he is he's doing things that you look back and he's going to look back in a few years and be like, man, I should have just laughed and thrown my head back and let it roll off my shoulder and realize that half of the people who were criticizing me more than half wish that they were doing what I was doing that they were falling in the line of a Florida quarterback, that they could say they did something Steve Spurrier, Tim Debo, Rex Grossman, the list goes on. He, You know, Felipe understands that, and he's grappling with it. Um, but we can't just say this is any other situation, because Florida fans, every time they talk about quarterback, it's a reminder of what the past decade has gone on. And and that brings me to the shushing. I think when a lot of the shushing that is coming into play is not at Felipe Franks. Yeah, he, he had some... You look. He had two rushing touchdowns, same as Lamichael Buber. He probably had his best game as a willing runner. He was fifteen for twenty-one, which is near his seventy-three percent. That is outstanding. You know, in that top guy, and was very depleted, and he they, they, they should have had a performance like that. For him to be moved in the first quarter, when he would later lead a you know seventeen-point rally, you know, it's hard to say that the, some shooting wasn't deserved if he was directing, directing it towards. Luke Del Rio, who said that Mullen would possibly lose the fan base by even playing him, or the fans who booed him in the first quarter when he was still 6-for-8 passing. That's where it's directed at. I think that there's two sides overreacting here, and Franks may be just as guilty as the Florida fans were who booed him in the first quarter, although we can sit here and debate all day about, you know, paying for ticket admission and the product on the field and vice versa. But at the end of the day, you have two really frustrated Subsects of people who,
0: at the end of the day want the same goal, and that's for Florida to win, yeah, we missed some of that because you were breaking up a little bit, but we heard most of it. I think you we'll go back to a point that you made earlier. I don't even know if you meant to make it, but it was fairly significant uh i I've, I've been one of the, I've been one who's been crying out hue and cry every minute of the last three or four years with not having- not having a quarterback uh and uh and a say again? Can you hear me? Sorry, I'm losing connection. Yes, yes, I'm okay. here. Um, the, I'm uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, I've I've said this numerous times to many people, uh, to others on other shows. I'll be doing a couple tomorrow. I've said this over the years on different places on the shows I've done, and I said the stu- the school that has three statues up front with Heisman trophies. You heard me say it many times. Yeah, uh, ought to be able to find a quarterback, and you know, and that's true. It's been nine years now. Uh, the closest thing we've had to was Johnny Bradley, who had a pretty decent year. He unfortunately didn't get hurt and banged up. But uh, after that, it's been a dry spell, and then the little the, the little moment in the sun uh, we had uh, uh, a couple of years ago, which lasted six games, um, uh, and, and and of course uh, uh, that particular person was banned. Was asked to leave the school, uh, and and so now here we are, and looking for somebody to bail us out with a quarterback. We probably as a fan base put more pressure on the quarterback position than most schools do. I know a lot of people think they ought to have great quarterbacks. Uh, uh, Florida fans have come to expect it. They've won national championships, and they've had three Heisman Trophy winners. So with whoever gets in that position, Ralph the Bat, there is going to be a ton of pressure. And part of that is exacerbated. With the social media picture and the things we just talked about, like ex quarterbacks either playing or, or tweeting or something that are causing that particular person. Now, is that what you're saying? That some of that is what Felipe's feeling?
2: Sure. Sure. And that's, yeah, he's. I mean, a-
0: Will Beers yeah. not here, but it, the fact is that, you know, the first thing they want to make a reference to was, yeah, he couldn't play quarterback at Florida. But look what he did when he left there. So there's yeah. always that going on, you know? Yeah,
2: I don't know if anyone saw Jeff Driscoll last night have two touchdowns. Uh, when the Bengals were getting blown out. Um, you know, he threw a pass to John Ross, who was a Mississippi State wide receiver recruited by Will, uh, uh, Sorry, by Dan Mullen to, mm-hmm. to Mississippi State and, and Jeff Driscoll, two guys um, that totally different paths. John Ross was not supposed to be, you know, an yeah. amazing guy, but he had amazing speed and, and turned out great. And Jeff Driscoll came in here very similar to Felipe Franks and never, quote-unquote, lived up to the expectations. Obviously, we knew that, you know, the shortcomings that Will Muschamp had and, you know, Kurt Roper, Charlie Rice, whatever, you know, that is a situation that Florida fans adds to all the scrutiny. I think I was kind of saying this is that, you know, you think of all the misses, each one that, you know, digs the hole deeper, Is going to be harder for a guy to climb out of. Um, And that's why you're, you're Florida and you have to keep swinging for the fences and going for the big time quarterbacks who for the last three, four years have been told they're the best quarterback out there and have lived up to the pressure. Because at Florida, you know that there's going to be so much more pressure. You can't take any guy that has any form of self-doubt or or not drive. You have to go for those one and two quarterbacks every year. Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, Jalen Jones should be right up there at the end of the year. He's a guy who transferred um, to face better competition in a sense initially and then transferred back. Um, And then turned out the competition he transferred back to was even tougher. So this is a situation where you're Dan Mullen, you have to go after the best quarterbacks because the program you're at makes it so that they probably won't succeed unless they have that ultimate drive to be the best.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about the high points of the game now and where they go from here. Let's talk about – let's talk about – obviously we talked about Felipe. This running game has really been um, a weapon uh, when you run, and they're averaging, by the way, I think 400 yards a game now on the offense, which is uh, pretty stout. Uh, they're running, I mean, P. Ryan has been, I've loved him, you know, since day one. I think he's the guy, he's a all-around guy that can get score when he's down in the red zone. Jordan uh, Scarlett, Scarlett has moments every now and then when he had that breakaway run a couple of weeks ago. But, uh, I, I think, and I heard this on the, Lee McGriff say this on the broadcast. He thinks that P Ryan's an everyday back and, you know, it should be starting. And I, and he doesn't use the word starting, but in my mind, I think he's got more tools than, than Scarlett does just because of his quick burst, his ability to, to cut, uh, that, that, uh, and it has straightaway speed. And then you add the right side of the offensive line which, by the way, matches up really well with the South Carolina left side, which is terrible, by the way. Uh, They blew him off the ball. Uh, You have that going on. Uh, Then you have Tony breaking out a little bit. So there are some things, and then C.J. Henderson needed that pick because his confidence had been hurt a little bit the last couple of weeks. So overall, those are a few things I saw. What did you see?
2: Yeah, uh, I agree with you. Marta Zivey and C.C. Jefferson, two of the seniors who said they they were motivated to come back, probably had – Two of their best games as Gators, Martez Ivy. I think he got named to as SEC offensive lineman he of the week or something yeah. like that. He continually dominated, uh, didn't really have many of those lapses. The holding penalties were on Juwan. Um, you know, they had like one or two false starts. Martez Ivy had a very, very solid game, and you saw it, and I think Jordan Scarlett probably benefited the most. Jordan Scarlett is the back who's most reliant on solid blocking because when when – you know, he he has space to move around and find the best hole. He's a dynamic back, but you need a superior offensive line to do that. And Florida has been very inconsistent at times. And those carries aren't always there because, like you said, Michael P. Ryan will probably start uh, in the backfield of half of the SEC teams, at least be the number two back. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree that he's probably a better prototypical NFL running back than Jordan Scarlett, although because Jordan Scarlett's game is kind of a little bit – aging more of the Adrian Peterson types you know mm-hmm. um, I, I can't see a team not wanting to take LaMichael Piran on, on a waiver in a sense where that guy can do it all I thought that he would have a very tough time coming in to create um, a role in Dan Mullen's offense but I was absolutely wrong about that he, he hits the hole with no hesitation he's quick he has a quick first step he's very sound with his mechanics he makes guys miss he he has he a better He has more agility than I think I even uh, understood but I don't think that's necessarily my fault. We didn't really get to see, you know, Jim McIlwain and Doug Mm Nussmeyer use him effectively. So it's great to see LaMichael P. Ryan probably capitalize on his opportunities. And if I'm Florida, it's very interesting to see what they do on the recruiting trail and how it pans out in the next two months because I could see LaMichael P. Ryan definitely leaving for the NFL uh, after this year. And, And Jordan Scarlett is headed there as well. So that leaves you with Damian Pierce, Iverson, Clement, um, Malik Davis coming back, and that's three guys, and only one of those guys, uh, you know, ha- has significant experience. And Damian Pierce has been there as well. And who knows where Malik Davis will be after a sec- second uh, season-ending injury. So very, you know, interesting position for Florida moving forward. And Michael P. Ryan has pretty much answered any questions whether he was going to come back next year.
0: Yeah. All right, final one for the Minister of Information here. Uh, I made this comment earlier. Think about this that two of Florida's best offensive players are from tiny towns in Alabama, Theodore, which is where P. Ryan's from, uh, uh, and, uh, and and Kadarius uh, Tony, who's from 8 Mile, Alabama. And uh, and and I love the P. Ryan story. And If you know it, tell it about the taking a Greyhound bus. There's a song in this someplace. He uh, played his own way on the Greyhound bus to come to Gainesville. He only yeah. had one scholarship offer, that was Mississippi State, and he didn't get an offer from Alabama until Florida had offered him. And this kid comes down there and pays his own way, and look what he's done. That's a heck of a story.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of uh, situations out there in college football that you see guys showing up on these unofficial visits and getting a program to notice them. Luckily, that's becoming a little bit less and less with the rise of not only recruiting services but huddle. Huddle has been a big thing in the mm-hmm. last you know four or five years that has helped a lot of prospects um, get coaches to notice them a little bit earlier because you just yeah. to have to send away for film, have a – coordinate with the coach to send it back to you. And that takes so much more time, especially when you're in the bulk of the season trying to recruit. You know, I was actually going through my DMs, not to change the subject or anything, but I was going through my DMs back at signing day um, and, and was trying to DM a player uh, who was committing to Baylor. His name is Jerry Bohannon. And I think he's a dual-threat quarterback committed to Baylor. Um, you know, I was going through and I was going to DM him seeing he committed, and I realized that a few years ago he had sent me a YouTube link of his freshman foot footage. And I hmm. had never responded um, and, and you know, not knowing, and sometimes I'll say to guys and say, hey, I'll try and send it to some people, um, you know, but no promises, I'm just a reporter. But he had sent his footage to me and I never even responded. And, and now he's, he was like the number seven dual threat quarterback. Um, that doesn't happen anymore where mm-hmm. guys who are freshmen need to send their film around. Yeah. Their colleges have done a much better job at, at finding them. Yeah. But LaMichael you know, P. Ryan was right on the cusp of that where he had to take a Greyhound bus from Theodore, Alabama, about mm. a six hour ride um, that is unheard of. And he, he actually, I think the way the story goes is that he had a copy of his footage with him and showed mm-hmm. it to the Florida staff there. I'd have to confirm with him that this is how it went and made him watch the footage with, right there with him. And then from then on, they were talking to him and, oh, um, good story. They, they, they figured out a way to have a workout with him pretty soon. And that was, the rest is history right now. Yeah.
0: Real quick, what you got coming up in Gator Bay or the Gainesville Sun?
2: Yeah, I've figuring out my column right now, actually, I'm mean, going to be staying up a little bit later, uh, you know, the big thing is we're, it's senior day. Um, not often. I don't think you can say really often in Florida history. I have to go back and look. Maybe there were some in 2001, but not many guys who were graduating can say that they had three head coaches at Florida. Neil. Terry Clark, mm-hmm. R.J. Raymond, a few other guys. I think there's six of them that they'll graduate mm-hmm. this week. Wow. Uh, oh, their last home game will be this week, um, and they have had probably – one of the toughest, I would say, Florida careers. So we'll be we'll be writing a little bit about them. Rob, uh, Robbie's writing more about the seniors. Um, for Robbie us, and, writing Robbie about Andrew, yeah. Sports. Mm-hmm. And um, then I'll be covering a little basketball later this week with Pat. Mm-hmm. So a lot of fun stuff coming up, man. All right, man,
0: have a good weekend. As always, the minister of information brings it. Graham Hall, thank you, buddy.
2: Thanks, Appreciate guys. it. All right. See you later.
0: Graham Hall, checking in as he always does. Let me get this in. I'm going to call Mr., um, friend's beard Uh, this was from last week we kept these up here to once again thank center state bank uh, for the tickets they provided for us which wound up in the hands of a very happy lynn Tindall uh, on his birthday had a terrific time thank you to center state bank for that and center state of course is our sponsor uh this program one of the sponsors of this program uh and uh there's that beautiful building i always like going over to the the bank and to have parties uh, and I want to remind you, they are a bank. You can go in there and check them out. Go online at centerstatebank.com and kind of find out about their values. Their core values, they believe in relationship banking and uh, world-class service. They, they're they driven by their local markets. Uh, they have a long-term view of their finances and they believe in faith and family. Uh, and they're located in, in 82 different places in 30 Florida counties. So check them out in Florida. Go online and see, uh, if they can, if they're nearby you, uh, mine bank is right here. the one on Silver Springs Boulevard in Ocala. Uh, you can call them at 352-368-6800. Uh, and, uh, go by and see the folks. Have a cookie and uh, tell them buddy sent you. I have an old typewriter in that lobby as a matter of fact still. One belonged to my dad. Uh, Center State Bank. Centered on community and customer service.
1: It's it's institution here since
0: uh, for since 1962. Located in downtown Ocala, uh, there's a I'm going to put up some of their clothes. They're beautiful uh, here in the next couple of weeks, and you can go by and see David Zasinas or Brandon, one of the guys, ask him to show you their latest long sleeve shirts. They got terrific brands in there. Uh, they have a lot of style. You can tell a Grinders man by the way he looks when he walks out of the store, and they've been doing this a long time. Uh, David is very involved in the community and the Ocala Gator Tip Off Club. And uh, he's also been very involved since he was a youngster in Grinders and now is the owner. So go by and see the folks at Grinders. Again, located at downtown Ocala 405 East Silver Springs Boulevard. Telephone 352-629-3195. Uh, they deliver the goods and it's good stuff. So Grinders, an Ocala tradition since 1962. Yes, it's time again for Buddy Martin. Call him up and tell him what you're thinking. But be kind because he's doing the best he can. Right. We don't want to do that, do we? Start over again. Click the wrong button. gun it. Sorry about that. Yeah, uh, we're going to go. I went to call this. i get this number and call Franz Beard. He had a really good call this weekend. I'm going to read part of it to you. We get friends on in just a moment. Talking about Frank's... Um, and we'll get to some more of your questions as well. Uh, and, uh, have you watched the game back? If you have, what were your thoughts? Uh, where does this one rank? This is going to go down, in my mind, as if not the most important game of the year for Florida, uh, then certainly one of the most important because of where they came from. When you're, when you're that far down, you know, you're, when you're, when you're that far down and you played poorly, you've been beaten and your ears beaten off. Uh You know, and, and, and things are going badly for you. You need something to reserve, reverse momentum. Uh And uh, for a while there, my, many of us believed that was possible. Let's be honest about it. Most people either turned it off or whatever and said, "Heck with this stuff. I'm not staying around for this." And I get it. Fans sometimes get frustrated, as we know very much, and, and writers get frustrated too. People get frustrated when your team is not play, when your team can play so well and so poorly. It gets frustrating. Even the Iron Duke himself sometimes wavers every now and then, but not too often. Uh, Welcome to the show, Francis Beard.
1: Good to be on the show, Buddy Martin. Uh,
0: It was a pretty nice Saturday, as it turned out, for Gator fans. And uh, I don't know if you had a chance to re-watch it. I watched half this morning and half tonight. Uh, And there were so many times that game could have gone south. And somehow they pulled it out.
1: Well, I two things I was impressed with. I was impressed with the poise and the determination, and maybe even we could say the desperation Mm -hmm. of Felipe Franks, particularly in those last 19 minutes. Um, And the second thing that I was impressed with was I thought Franks fire lit a fire under the defense because all of a sudden here's this guy with everything to lose and the fans booing him, and all of a sudden the defense, which has has struggled, you know, to get any kind of stops, terribly in the first quarter, ninety-two yard pass play. All of a sudden the defense goes back to being uh, the stone wall we saw it was against Mississippi State and uh, and LSU. I was, uh, I, I I'll tell you what that. The, the way Franks played in those last 19 minutes, I thought, inspired his – that's what leaders do, though, buddy. It's mm-hmm. what Tim Tebow used to do. He would light a fire under the defense because they saw how hard he was playing, how determined he was. And I think uh the fact that Franks kind of took a page out of the – Tim Book playbook, he wouldn't slide. He was going diving head first along the sideline. I thought um, I thought he really, sh- I thought he took a big leap as a leader in that game.
0: Yeah, you're right. And you wrote beautifully about it. I'll read your paragraph in just a moment there. And, you know, we, we discussed this topic many, many times about what happens to get hit in the mouth. It's a cliche now. But th- what happened to him, uh, what happened to him was once and you wrote about him getting hit in the head too. Once he he got dinged. Once he got yeah. He went he got to a point where he, you said desperation. What else could, could? Nothing could lose at that point in time. Desperation. He just started went. You know, know the way to say it. Then balls to the wall, and decided yeah. to play. Just play all out. And he ran like a demon. And he's and his teammates said. Jordan Scott said he was sticking his head in there like as a fullback. You know. He just he went he went on a on a tear and I'm gonna read this what you wrote because I think it sums it up very nicely, if you don't mind. Uh you were talking about the out of bounds. This is after the double pass when he had to scramble at the end with ten minutes to go on what turned out to be the winning drive, as a matter of fact. Uh, Franks took one long stride forward and then dived head first out of bounds. All told, he ran about seventy five yards for a four yard gain Maybe more than anything else, that four-year game summed up the kind of day it was with Franks, a starter in Florida's first nine games, who began the week expecting to watch this one from the sidelines while Kyle Trask got the first start of his collegiate career. On that play there, this was the bad, mad combination mad combination of desperation and determination. And you said Franks was dinged, uh, being up when he made that dive, and when he got up limping, there was this momentary thought that he would have to sit for a play. Possibly more, but instead of sitting, he charged back on the field. As much as a signal to teammates, there was that, as it was the fans in stands that nothing was going to take this moment away from him. Very well I done.
1: Agree. I Very agree. I mean, I, I, of
0: course, I, I, you you, I, you wrote it. it. <laughs> I, I wrote it, but, but
1: I, I you know I I I thought that. You know, I—I I, for lack of a better term, this was his Tebow moment. Mm-hmm. This was his – he dives head first. I mean, it's like, puts, you know, forget about safety. Forget about sliding, you know. Uh, four yards. Oh. A four-yard gain. And he launched himself – he launched himself really at about the 38-yard line. So, he, he you know – 3 yards it was 3 yards further down you know so for a total of a 4 yard gain and you could sense at that moment that this was Florida's game and you could sense that it was Florida's game because you had a leader that said I will not let my team lose this game and I, and, and quite frankly you can get by with quarterbacks who don't have all the greatest ability in the world if they can lead that team, if they can get that team to believe in them. At that moment, that team believed in Felipe Franks. And there was nothing that was going to stop the Florida Gators.
0: We saw a lot of Tim Tebow every game he played. We covered every game he ever played in Florida. And the one word that we used over and over again was Will. With a lowercase w that Tim Tebow's will after he was stopped on fourth down against Ole Miss for a loss when he made the promise, it was he willed that team to a national championship. Now, I'm not saying he did it by himself, but one player's will, which is what you're saying, can can really spread to a team. And when you have that leader who is up there and willing to put it on the line to give you everything he's got. And risk everything, and then he's successful. It's got to fire you up, as you point out by the defense. So you're right. He played angry. He, he I don't care if he if, if he shushed the crowd or not. And I'm told by some that he was actually that was meant for Luke Del Rio. That shush, not the fans. Uh, that's what he said. That's privately, is what he's saying. Um, and, I believe that. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and then and so now you have this guy who suddenly. Either he was a kid who made a super mistake, or maybe he just became a leader, France.
1: I have to believe he became a leader. I'm going to bring up something that you will remember quite well. Florida takes the lead 24-14 to over Oklahoma. Jump pass from Tebow to David Nelson. Makes the score 24-14. Look at After Florida kicks the extra point, who goes running down the sideline to the defensive huddle, throws the coaches aside, gets in the middle, and tells that defense, you will get the stop on this next series. And the Gators did. That's what leaders do. They do things that sometimes you may think they're a little bizarre. Sometimes you may think they're headstrong, they're crazy, whatever but they do it and the team responds. That Florida defense responded that night in, in at the uh, at the uh, stadium down in Miami. Florida wins the national championship. Florida responded Saturday. And I like to think that it was uh, I I you know, would you call it an epiphany? I don't know if you would call it an epiphany, but I called a growth moment for for Franks. I would say that that is a huge Moment that I think Dan Mullen has been waiting to see. I think, I think more than anything, Mullen's been waiting to see his quarterback really grab the team by the lapels and say, You're coming with me. And as I said earlier, you can get by with a quarterback that doesn't have the greatest skills in the world if his team will follow him, uh, to the gates of hell and back.
0: Well, anyway, so here they are. They're six and three. Seven, uh, three. I'm sure are seven three. I <laughs> got a hard time to getting to that point. Uh, seven three uh, with uh, they're going to a bowl. Have a chance to get to nine, obviously. Uh, and they um, and, and it, it, they have they turned the corner or will they regress again against Idaho? We don't know that about this team. We can't really trust this team just yet. But this is certainly a pivotal game. One of the most important. And I, and I posted. On that last drive, at four minutes to go, when he scored. But that drive started eight minutes. I wrote down on my on my on my Facebook page on the Buddy Mark Show page, uh, this drive could make or break the season. We just described what happened. We described Frank's on the out of bounds play, Tony on the carry, going forward on fourth and goal, uh, Frank sticking it in there and scoring. And that drive did was successful. And it might have made this season. How big will it be, friends? In the end,
1: oh, I, I think it's going to be huge. And and of course, the Gators get Paycheck Idaho coming in here. And by the way, for those who don't know, Idaho, when this game was scheduled, was a Division One team. They got kicked out of the Sun Belt, and rather than face college football as an as an independent and everybody's homecoming opponent that can't get any home games they elected to go back to division 1AA in the big sky conference this is a game that florida could start you could alternate you and me at quarterback and probably do fairly well uh, the gators are going to win this game and they're going to win this game really really big the important thing i think for felipe franks in this ball game Is to go out there with his newfound confidence, with his leadership abilities, and tell his team, okay, guys, we're going to win this game, but we are going to win it impressively. We're not going to have it, we're not going to take this game lightly. We're going to play these guys as if, as if we're playing LSU again. Think of the, you know, we're, we're just going to go out there and play like we're playing a great team and we're going to obliterate them. And, and this is a, this is how you sustain growth is you don't have letdowns. You don't allow it to become a roller coaster because he's got momentum now. He needs to keep the momentum going. And then he's going to have Florida State, you know, a school that's what 30 miles from his hometown of Crawfordville. This is going to be, you know, these next two weeks are going to be his opportunity. To solidify the fact that he's that he is the leader, he is the guy, he's the man, uh, and it may, and maybe it's by default because Franks got hurt. I mean, by, because Trask got hurt, and Mullen doesn't want to burn the red shirt on Emory Jones. But for this moment, at least, Felipe Franks is the guy.
0: Well, we'll see if it's fate or not, friends. If it's, you know, if it's if, what it is. Because uh, somehow or another, he wound up back in the lineup on Saturday when he was left for dead. And people thought, well, he's done. He'll be transferring. And there he goes out there. and We joked about it some last week. I said to one guy, what if he goes out and throws four touchdown passes, you know, after all that? So uh, the question, can he sustain? And now, uh, you know, can he can he rehabilitate? And can he really win, keep the job uh can he will he start as a starting quarterback next year? Who knows? So many things can happen. I gave Mullen gave him every chance, I will say that. And I think it was time for the move, and you said it was too. At that point in time, I think it's I think Kyle Trash deserved the chance that he never got. I feel very badly. I'm hearing rumors, just rumors, that he may transfer in the spring. I don't know. And, well he
1: needs to because the future at Florida is going to be Emory Jones and Jalen. It'll be Jones. Jones gonna, Jones squared is that's going to be the future at Florida. He needs, and, he needs
0: to go somewhere like Marshall or someplace, you know.
1: And, uh, well, he, he's going to be a graduate, from what I understand. He is going to graduate this spring. Yeah. Uh, so he's going to be he's going to be able to transfer uh, somewhere and play. Yeah, a place like Marshall might be a great place for him. I don't know. I he
0: just started. threw it out because who was that Spurrier's first quarterback who won a national championship? Yeah, played behind Werfel, well, Bobby, Bobby Pruitt. Bobby Pruitt. No, won. no, no, but no. Eric, the, C- Eric Kresser. With Eric. Eric Kresser. Kresser won it. Yeah, Pruitt, was, Pruitt the was a coach.
1: Florida defensive coordinator right. Spurrier. Right, and then
0: Cresser went up and won it.
1: And he won the championship with uh, with Eric Cresser. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, it would be a good, you know, a place like that would be a good move for him. Yeah. Uh, he's a Texas kid. Uh, they're going to need a quarterback at, at North Texas, which is 7-3 and three this year. Uh, they're going to need a quarterback at SMU, I believe. Friends, let me uh, ask
0: you a question because I know there's at least one recruit watching right now. And I want you to be honest. How bright is the future for this football team right
1: now? Uh, the future is extraordinary. Uh, Dan Mullen's got it going here. Uh, when you're, when you're gonna, he's gonna finish this season nine and three. And he's probably, and he's gonna get a bowl game and have a chance to win 10 games from a team that won four the year before. That tells you a lot about the coaching. That tells you a lot about the cultural change that we got here. And it tells you a lot about the future, too. Dan Mullen is a winner. When you can win, Ball, 69 ball games in Starkville, and I like Starkville. Nice place, nice people, but it's not exactly the garden spot of football, if you know what I mean.
0: No, yeah. you know, friends. And the other thing about a recruit is, you know, you can you can go someplace and get the right coach, and you'll make or break your career. We've seen it happen. Oh. You also can go somewhere to a school where they're loaded, they're stacked. So you used to be able to stash players, and you might not be able to get your chance. Now, if you're a four- or a five-star, you're going to get a chance without question. So I think what the word is is we're looking for is trending. And I think if you're looking at trending right now as we speak, things look a whole lot better in Gainesville than they look recently. look a lot better in Knoxville and maybe not quite as good in Lexington. Things can change, right? And if I'm well, going to go to a school, uh, you know, if you go to Georgia or LSU, you're probably not going to see a lot of playing time unless you're a superstar. I mean, of Tim Tebow ilk or something. And so, uh, I mean, if Florida is right in that middle ground where they're on the way trending up. If I were a recruit, I would certainly give them a good look.
1: I would certainly give Florida a good look. You just made an important uh observation for example about Kentucky a senior laden defense is going to be gone the 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 guy that carries the offense Benny Snell Jr is going to be gone and the offensive line is going to be decimated so am i you know obviously if i'm looking for just playing time and i and i don't care i you know i hate Kentucky might be a place but if i'm looking for the best combination of a place that's trending upward, that's got the right coach at the right time, and has everything going for it in the future, then I gotta I gotta take a long serious look at the Florida Gators. And quite frankly, I know Kirby Smart is the sexy pick. You know everybody says he's the next Saban and everything like that i got to think that if Dan Mullen had been at Georgia, he could have done just exactly what Kirby Smart has done. And and that's not taking anything away from Kirby. Kirby's a fine football coach. Don't anybody mistake this for a dig on Kirby to say he's not a good football coach. just I think Dan Mullen is every bit the equal of a football coach. You can win 69 games in eight years in Starkville. You can flat-out coach. And this guy can flat out coach Florida is going to be a big time winner. I think we may be looking at a era uh, you know, 10 wins this year. Hey, I think we could be looking at the kind of team that they, we just pencil in 10 year, 10 wins every year, because I think they're going to be that good.
0: Well, anyway, I, um, uh, I think it was a huge moment and I've seen a few in my life. So have you. Um, and, um, so anyway, it was it was a good good times. Been a rough couple couple of weeks, and it's good to be see smiles on the face of the uh, the guy we call the Duke, the Iron Duke, Francis.
1: <laughs> oh gosh! Hey, uh, you know I I I really needed to see a win like this. I mm-hmm. needed to see this, and I needed to see it because I know how much Dan Mullins put into. It changing the culture and and changing this from a country club into a place where it's tough but with the understanding that toughness breeds big time success and he needed this win and I think his team needed to rediscover itself I think his team needed to rediscover that feeling of 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 what it takes to win an important ball game, and this—and make no mistake about it, this was a very important ball game.
0: Yeah. Francis, we'll talk some hoop a little later on. We'll see you back here on Friday as usual. Any final thoughts about this game?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, Florida is seven and three. I would be shocked if they don't finish nine and three in the regular season. And the way things are trending. I would say there's a really good chance the Gators are going to get into a New Year's Six game. Right now, people are saying
0: it's going to be Florida and UC. How about that? Would that be in something?
1: In the Fiesta Bowl, can you imagine?
0: You got two two teams Florida teams going all over off the way to Arizona. I know. To go 3, I know. Miles to yeah.
1: How stupid is that? Really,
0: and that's the truth. Yeah, that's one of, one of those days. In the old days, so without the alignments, that'd be a, that'd be an Orange Bowl game. You know certainly will a capital one pole game that's for sure um uh all right well Francis uh I just give me some more P Ryan and give me I want watch lots of P Ryan and a little more Tony. uh let's see a little more of that uh that that angry uh Felipe Franks I think that's what's they're going to need
1: um, let me throw one more thing yeah. to you I think uh Felipe Franks will play no more than half a ball game Saturday
0: Well, who's who's going to play the other one, Tony?
1: I think Kadarius Tony is going to get a full dose of this, and he's going to make Florida State scramble and do all sorts of stuff, spend an entire week getting ready for the possibility that Kadarius Tony is going to have a full package of plays.
0: Because he's not playing Emory Jones. He's he's not going to play Emory Jones. Urban loves – Urban always loves –
1: Putting that little piece of doubt in your mind—that that one mm. thing that would make you make the defensive coordinator spend an entire week without getting more than two hours of sleep—and that's yeah. the kind of thing that can do it. Mullen's got that in him too, and I'd like, I like. And I would be surprised to see Kadarius Tony get become not a wildcat runner, but a quarterback for say half How a ball. About that.
0: Run. All right, Francis. Good stuff, buddy. Good job on the column as well. Appreciate it.
2: Thanks a bunch. We'll talk
0: to you later in the week, all right? All
2: right,
0: bye. Iron Duke himself checking in, as he always does on this day of the week. Uh, and, uh, yeah, welcome back to Robert Dodson. He's been out for a while uh, since the hurricane, uh, and I know he had damage. Robert, we're glad you're back. I hope you're getting uh, things fixed up in the panhandle. Uh, you have cell service again and no Internet, but uh, I know you have limited hotspot. Really good to hear from you. We'll be thinking about you, Robert. We've we'll been missing you, buddy, Okay. All the best to you. All right. Uh, as part of our GNK family, that's what we do. Uh, it's good to have uh, folks caring about you. In our community, we do that. Uh, I want, speaking of folks caring about you, I want to be sure and mention uh, uh, this particular place because I care about them and I care about their food. I go there as often as possible uh, to a place called Mark's Prime. You all have heard me talk about it many, many times on this show. Because I frequent it, and I love the food, I love the service. I love the ambiance. When I have somebody I want to take from out of town somewhere to impress them, uh, or if I have a special occasion with my bride or family, I like to go to Mark's Prime. Even if it costs me a little bit more, it's worth it. Because of the food, the service, the ambiance, and what they call a unique dining experience. Uh, They strive hard to do that. Give you the finest beef, the freshest seafood, Premium wines and naturally fresh vegetables. I love that sautéed spinach. Uh, and they make it quite an unusual experience for you. One of the best restaurants in Florida. One of the best I've eaten in anywhere, as a matter of fact. Check them out in Gainesville. Call 352-336-0077. Uh, Ocala 352-402-0097. You can go online. You can either go to Twitter and find them. Or you can go to uh, MarksPrimeSteakhouse.com. And find out more about the details or hours. I, I would encourage you to try, it, but also don't delay because if you have it in mind going, uh, the reservations uh, go quickly for the weekend. So Mark's Prime Steakhouse and Seafood they give you a unique dining experience. Yes, it's time again
1: for Buddy Martin. Over and over again. Yeah,
0: that's what that is. Uh, I also want to tell you about, uh, if I may, <clears throat> Tupperware. Got a chance to see Jen Lay. And there's her, some of her holiday stuff still up there, uh, over the weekend at, a, at our tailgate. So good to see Jen. She's such a great supporter of, uh, of, of, of our group. She's one of the Knights. She, uh, she takes part of most everything we do. She was at the tailgate. Her family, her son was there. Good to see them. Uh, and Jen is running a Tupperware business as, as well, as you see here. Um, it's the season getting ready. I put the pumpkin up there to remind you the holiday season is upon us. Uh, and if you need some holiday gifts, a good place for you to go, you can go to jenlay.mytupperware.com uh, uh, as you see down there, or you go to Facebook, Te- Tupperware Jen in the bottom you see that, uh, and check out some of the items that they have. I'm going to put some different kind of things up there in the next couple of days. Uh, and it's a nice little gift to have for the home and for the family. Uh, whatever you need. If you don't know Tupperware, but you don't know much about product, they've been around for a long time. they been a part of the American family for a long time. But uh not only for holiday times, but if you do a tailgate, whatever, they got stuff you can take and uh, containers and fruit trays, what have you. And so you should go online and check it out for the holidays. Go to uh, Tupperware Gen on Facebook. Purchase your products there, or if you're going to have a party for your organization, they can help you to do a fundraiser. Tupperware gives forty percent of all sales uh, proceeds back to the organization. Tupperware, the perfect holiday gift and the perfect way for G and K tailgate party. All right, well, um, it's uh, the season has suddenly changed for the better, and. You feel like, in a way, a bullet was dodged. Some of the bad feelings of the last couple of weeks have been wiped away. And new hope is on the horizon. I don't want this to sound like I'm giving some kind of pep talk, but it is true. It was pretty far down on Saturday. A lot of people. I know some pretty well-known people who are Gator fans who basically couldn't bear to watch. But this is what happens when you pull for a team. It's kind of like life and like family. When you're in it, you're in it. And that means the bad with the good. You have to be willing to take home part of the pain to get, as I say, the old cliche, the gain. And now it seems to have shifted. Does that guarantee anything in the future? No. But are you willing, as Felipe Franks did, to stick your head in there? And even though you want to throw something to the TV, hang in with your team and say, okay, They didn't get it done today, but I'm hopeful about tomorrow. At some point, you have to go on faith and hope. And it's not always going to be, as my friend Joe Williams likes to say, beer and skittles, okay? Sometimes the times are going to be tough. And if we've learned anything about this season since last year, and yes, whoever put that up, we are getting close to the date of the infamous airport visit, which we made. I'm not even sure we're not on it. We'll find out from the Crown Prince who's out of town tonight. He's uh, in Denver working. Uh, that fateful day when uh, things happened, it looked really dark, threw a lot of people, a lot of things in. What an incredible last year it's been. Thanks to you at GNK. So I uh, thank you for watching tonight, for listening. Tell your friends about it. We'll be back tomorrow night uh, with lots of our special guests as usual. Uh, hopefully Chris Doring, we're going to get his take on a few things. We'll, to, uh, we'll talk to uh, our friend David Moulton. Edgar will be along shortly. Uh, later in the week. So it's all, um, all good. And it's, uh it's going to be a uh, really, really fun season now. And that's what we want. The shared experience of joy, right? Appreciate you watching. Have a good, have a good night and dilly dilly to you.